Thanks for joining us at the Ham South Podcast Network. If you're interested in joining us in our services, we meet at 10am on a Sunday at 131 or Hoporo in Melbourne. We'd love to see you there. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Neon Kids Program. Neon is a before and after school care and school holiday program for primary and intermediate students. Neon has two centres operating in Rotatuna and in Melville. For more information, visit www.neonkids.co.nz. That's www.neonkids.co.nz. Now to the pod. So this morning, we are going to be talking about the Sabbath. So the Sabbath, it might be something that you haven't really heard about in a while, maybe not something that kind of crosses your mind often, or maybe it's something that you actually are very conscious of, something you observe regularly. I'm not sure where you are all at, but yeah, we're talking about the Sabbath this morning. And so the Sabbath has actually been around for a very long time, almost as long as we, humanity, have been around, in fact. I'm not sure if you remember, but during the creation account, God took six days to form creation. He had a very busy, busy, busy week that week. He brought, created the heavens and the earth. He brought light out of darkness. He brought land out of the sea. Then he filled the sea, filled the sky with all the creatures, the plants, you know, you name it. He did it in that week. It must have been one of his biggest weeks, I'm pretty sure. And then on the sixth day, he made his peace de resistance. I think that's how you say it. He made humanity. And he made us, and he sat back and he said, "Ah, very good. He was pleased. And then the sixth day turned into the sixth night, and then it turned into the seventh day. And on the seventh day, God decided to have a rest. He'd done all of his work in those six days, and he thought, today I'll take a break. And so he took a day off to relax I don't really know if God relaxes. That's kind of a funny thing to think about. But he took a day to marvel at his creation and to spend time with what he had created. And the cool thing was that we, humanity, we were there. That very first day that God rested was our very first day. We got to share in that very first day of rest with God. I think that's pretty special. So then fast forward what would have been quite a few hundred years to the time of Moses, when God made the Sabbath kind of official by asking Moses to put it in, or telling Moses that it was a part of his Ten Commandments. And so Exodus 20 tells us that the fourth commandment went like this. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for ordinary work, But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. And the thing about this commandment, this commandment around the Sabbath day, is that it's not just commanding a day of rest, is it? It commands the day to be kept holy, to be dedicated to the Lord our God. 
The Sabbath day, it isn't just like a PJ day, which sometimes I enjoy one of those. It's not a day where you just get to have a great lion, then you spend the rest of the day mooching around, you know, from the couch to the fridge, then moving back to the couch again, you know, just, I don't know, watching TV, doing whatever you like. But the Sabbath day, it's a day of rest, but more than that. It's a day of holy rest, a day dedicated to the Lord. And it tells us, the scripture, it tells us that the Lord has blessed the Sabbath day to make it holy, as he too observed that Sabbath day during the creation account. He says, you've already got six days for your ordinary work. And on your Sabbath day, you were to refrain from all work. Not you or anyone in your household is to lift a finger. Because on your Sabbath day, that seventh day, is the day that you rest with the Lord. And then we jump forward a little bit more into Leviticus, um, when God is giving some instructions around the holy festivals or the appointed festivals that he wants his people to take. And among that, in Leviticus 23, he also gives a little bit further instruction around the Sabbath. This, um, this is what he says in Leviticus 23. These are the Lord's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as official days for holy assembly. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of complete rest, an official day for holy assembly. It is the Lord's Sabbath day, and it must be observed wherever you live. So included here, with all the instructions around the festivals that they had, like the Feast of Tabernacles, the Festival of Booths, possibly they're the same thing, who knows. Um, they also talk about the Sabbath day. But what particularly grabs me about this instruction around the Sabbath day that we find in Leviticus is that compared to the one in Exodus, which talks about a day of rest where you must not work, a day dedicated to the Lord, this one also says it is a day for holy assembly. I quite like that. This week I sat down um, at the Coffee for You morning on Wednesday and chatted to a few of the people there about the Sabbath. And they remembered this passage and they said, ah yes, the King James Version says it's a day for holy convocation, which was something for me to Google later on because I, <laughs> I didn't know what it meant. But I Googled it um, and convocation is the action of calling people together into a large assembly. And I really liked that, actually. I quite liked that word. And so this week, I've actually really enjoyed getting to know a bit more about the Sabbath because it's not something that my generation really talks about or has ever kind of practiced formally, or at least not in my experience. And so, you know, I've read some scripture. I read some Bible commentaries to understand those scriptures. And I also spent some time chatting with people as well about their experiences. And it was all really interesting and insightful. And I found it really helpful because the passage this week, which is Matthew 12, 1 to 14, it's kind of a passage that needs to be read or understood beyond face value. Kind of initially, it might give you a bit of a different picture than what Jesus was actually talking about in this passage. So let's get into it and we'll see what Jesus has to say about the Sabbath. Sabbath. 
So starting at verse 1. At about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested. Look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. So in this passage, we have Jesus and his disciples, but then we also have the Pharisees. And I know we talked a little bit about the Pharisees last week, but just to remind you, the Pharisees were the strict Jewish law keepers. If you were really good at keeping to the law and you were passionate about enforcing it upon others, then a role as a Pharisee might be right for you. But things were going quite well for the Pharisees, like within their kind of circles. Things were going well. They saw how good things were if you all stuck to the law very strictly, and they were quite pleased. They saw society could run well if everyone was going to live in the same way that they did. But then Jesus had come along and he'd shaken things up a bit. He did things a little bit differently than what they would have liked. And they weren't so pleased because the thing was, he didn't actually break the law and so there was nothing they could pull him up on to get him arrested, which frustrated them because he was kind of defying their ways, but not really, but he was changing things and they didn't like that. And sometimes they did try to pull him up on things. They tried to get him to mince his words or to trick him and make him seem as a hypocrite so that they could say, aha, we got you. But he was always like one step ahead of them. He was always had the perfect answer to whatever they were asking him. So they, they didn't like him, not one bit. And they reckoned that their life and their society would go a whole lot better if he was out of the picture. And so with knowing the history between these characters, we can read this passage now, and what we find is another classic example of the Pharisees trying to trick Jesus. And this time, they're coming at him directly around the laws of the Sabbath to see if they can trip him up in that way. So the passage opens with some very hungry disciples. The disciples are so hungry that while they're walking through grain fields, they're picking off some of the grain to eat while they're on their way. I mean, it doesn't sound very nice, but I guess they were desperate. And so the Pharisees, they see this. And I'd like to say they're not happy, but they kind of are happy because they're like, Jesus is doing something bad. And they're probably thinking, we've got you this time. And so they, the scripture says they protested, saying, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. And I reckon that they were probably thinking, check and mate, Jesus. So obviously the Pharisees, they were strict law keepers, and that meant they knew their stuff. They were committed Jewish, Jewish believers, and so they knew their scriptures well, the scriptures that told the story of their God and their people throughout history. But Jesus, he also knew the scriptures well. He grew up reading them and getting to know them. And so he knows just what to say to make the Pharisees think. Continuing from verse 3, Jesus said to them, Haven't you read in scripture what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and he and his companions broke the law by eating the consecrated loaves, sorry, the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. And haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? 
I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. Jesus wants to make the Pharisees think. Because the Pharisees, like, they weren't all that bad. They weren't like the enemy. They just got things a little bit wrong sometimes. In places in scripture, it describes them as zealous or their zealousness, which means their passion or enthusiasm. And sometimes they just got a little overzealous. They got a little too passionate about their law enforcing, and that's when things really went awry. So Jesus says, haven't you read about David and his companions eating the consecrated bread in the temple? And he brings that one up because the reason that David and his companions were excused from breaking the law in that way was because they were considered to be doing holy work, like doing the work of God. And so that was just like the work that the on-duty priests did in the temple on the Sabbath. They were allowed to do that work because it was holy work. It was God's work. And so Jesus challenges them. Why are you pulling my disciples up on what they're doing? Because they're now doing work for one who is even greater than the temple. And then Jesus continues in verse 7. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. The verse that Jesus quotes here is Hosea verse six, uh, sorry, chapter six, verse six, and it's not the first time that he's had to bring this one up with the Pharisees. He does it earlier in Matthew in chapter nine, I believe, and then later in the book in Matthew twenty-three verse twenty-three, Jesus is straight up with the Pharisees when he says this: "Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices." Mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. But the Pharisees, they practiced the former. They were very good at sticking to those strict rules, following strict instructions. But they neglected those more important matters of the law. They neglected to seek justice or to show mercy or faithfulness. And we know that Jesus, he didn't come to replace the law. He didn't come to get rid of it and set a new standard. He came to fulfill the law. And he fulfilled it by following it fully, by focusing on those matters most important. He showed justice and mercy and faithfulness, but he also adhered to the finer details of the law as well. But yet again, the Pharisees, they don't get tired of this. They try to trip Jesus up again, reading now from verse 9. Then Jesus went over to their synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes, so they could bring charges against him. And Jesus answered, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. 
Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored just like the other one. Then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. I mean, the Pharisees, they were sure they had Jesus this time. How could he refuse a deformed hand that needed healing? You know, how could he say no to that? And, I mean, Matthew describes very well that their motives were not pure. It says that they wanted him to say yes, that you could work on the Sabbath, so that they could then arrest him, put him away, get rid of him. But then Jesus, he's, he's just so good. He just plays right back to them. This time calling them to have mercy, just like he alluded to just before. And he says, you know, isn't a person so much more valuable than a sheep? And you would work to pull a sheep out of a well if it got stuck on the Sabbath. And so instead of answering their question directly, Jesus changes up a little bit what um, they were asking. He says, yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. And then he heals the man's hand. The Pharisees, they'd just taken no notice of what Jesus had just said to them because they were still focused on the letter of the law. They were still asking Jesus simply if working on the Sabbath was okay. But Jesus, I mean, he knew they were trying to trap him. And so he changed his answer back to them, saying that on the Sabbath you can do good. He doesn't call it work, he calls it doing good. And I mean, the Sabbath, it is intended as a day dedicated to the Lord, is it not? And God, I mean, he is inherently good. So wouldn't he want us to do good? And I wonder if we can admit this morning that we are a bit like the Pharisees at times, and we can miss the point When I sat down with the Coffee for You group this week, I asked them about their experience with the Sabbath. And all of them were quick to say, oh yes, we grew up observing the Sabbath, or we grew up with Sunday being a day where we didn't work. And then they shared these great little stories of things that they did or didn't do on the Sabbath, like we weren't allowed to play outside on a Sunday, we had to play inside, or we wouldn't even put out the milk bottles to be collected on Sunday because that meant someone had to work to collect them. And they remembered on a Sunday always going to church. That was what they did. And their mum would put a roast in the oven before church so it would be ready when they got home and then they'd have a roast meal together, sometimes inviting friends over for lunch or something like that. One story that I really liked was someone shared about how they lived on a street with a few other Christian families, and after about a month of really rainy Saturdays but lovely fine Sundays, the gardens of those houses on the street were in some desperate need of TLC as people weren't going to take their lovely fine Sunday to work in their gardens, which I thought, that's quite amazing really. But even those who were there on Wednesday, who I talked to, that didn't grow up in homes that went to church, they still remembered observing a Sabbath day, where Sunday was still a day set apart for rest, which, I mean, is quite interesting. Because it obviously was like a trend in their culture. It was something that society did. It was the norm for them when they were growing up. And I'm sure that we can all agree that nowadays this culture of taking a Sabbath 
has kind of decreased and decreased over time until now. It's not really something that we talk about or that we necessarily even do. Instead, nowadays, what we talk about is self-care, which is awesome, such a good thing to talk about. But the idea of self-care is that you take some time out for yourself. You take some time, a rest from work or whatever it is you're doing, and you look after you. You know, maybe you indulge yourself a little. You take some time to care for yourself. Take some time for you. And it's so great that this is becoming something that we talk about more and more because people who face burnout from working too much or too consistently, I mean, it's not a nice thing and it's a tough thing to recover from. And so this, like, this idea of self-care, I think it's a really good one. But it is when we take these self-care days that are all about self-care, all about the self, looking after us, and when we take them to become our Sabbath time, or what we might call our Sabbath time, that's when it gets a little bit more like the Pharisees. Because self-care time, I mean, looking at it like it's quite a secular thing, I guess. Um, yeah, it means taking out time out from work and resting, just doing whatever you like, really, probably for a day or a certain length of time. And if that is what our understanding of the Sabbath is, then that's where it's more like the Pharisees, because we've then forgotten that the Sabbath day is not a day for self, but a day for God. And it's a day to be dedicated to the Lord and rest with the Lord. And it's interesting, but not surprising, that the main regular church attendees now are those who grew up in a time where the Sabbath was part of their culture, where the Sabbath was the norm. I mean, sometimes as a kid you might not really have the choice about whether you do go along to church, but it was expected. That is what they did. That's probably what all of their friends' families did. They went to church on a Sunday. And so they grew up learning or experiencing kind of that rhythm in their lives. One of the ladies I talked to on Wednesday, she said that, yes, the Sabbath day was a day for no work to be done, but it was a day where you didn't have to feel guilty about not working because it was a day set apart. It wasn't just another day, one in the week. It was a day set apart as the Sabbath day. And so these older members in our church, they set such an excellent example. They're always here, like always here. I mean, before we had the heat pumps installed, they were here throughout the winter. They were here. They just wore probably a few extra layers, right? But I mean, on a morning like this, it's weird. It's miserable. I mean, it's not super cold. But they probably have the best excuse of anyone not to be here, right? I mean, getting up, getting out in this sort of weather, it's not always easy. But they still come. They're still here every week without fail. And I think they come because they know that the Sabbath is a day for the Lord. It is a day dedicated to the Lord and a day that the Lord has appointed for holy assembly. It is a day when they can come together with their fellow believers, their brothers and sisters in Christ. And they fellowship with one another and they worship their God. And they come because on the Sabbath, God wants us to do good. I mean, he wants us to do good every day, but the Sabbath is no exception. 
And when we come to church, when we come into this holy assembly, we have the opportunity to serve. And so many of our older members, they serve in so many ways around this place that you might not even see. I mean, they welcome on the door, they serve morning tea, they do work around the property, they lead mainly music, they do so many things, the list just goes on and on. These older members of our church, they set the bar, and they've been setting it for years, they do an awesome job, and I wonder, you know, would you want to ask them, is it hard? I think maybe if you're wondering, you should ask them. I think their answer might intriguing. Because, I mean, it's, no, it's not a secret that it is those who are younger than about 60-ish in our church who don't come so regularly. I mean, these days, you're considered committed if you're coming to church one out of four Sundays, once a month. But how well can you get to know your church family if you're here only once a month? And often the excuse is busyness. And I mean, busyness, it's a real thing. I mean, at certain times in our life, or depending what you do, busyness can just be constant. But we kind of love it so much. Why do we love busyness so much? Because busyness means that work, work, work is what we do in something like the Sabbath. It becomes, oh, only if I've got time or only if I'm free. And I mean, God said, you've got six days to do your ordinary work. And I wonder if he was thinking, if you can't get it done in six days, maybe you've got a little too much to do. And I mean, don't get me wrong, sometimes we have things on. Sometimes we do have to work on a Sunday. Sometimes we're sick. Sometimes we're away. Sometimes something comes up and we can't make it. But are you really prioritizing a day for holy assembly? If three weeks from four, you choose a different activity over church. For someone my age or younger, around my generation, we look at the church and we see our precious older members who show up every week as an excellent example of what membership to a church and investment in a church looks like. But then as we look kind of down the generations, gaps do begin to show And we hear things said like, oh, you know, I don't really see them that often, but I mean, maybe church isn't that important to them. Or, well, yeah, it is about personal relationships, so we don't really need other people to be involved in that. Or maybe something like, I just had such a busy day on Saturday, I just want to lie in. I mean, I get that. But they become excuses. And I want to say again, are you really prioritizing a day for holy assembly? If three weeks from four, you choose another activity over church. Because God didn't just suggest a Sabbath for the fun of it. God commanded the Sabbath because he knew the good in it. God himself, the creator of the heavens and the earth, even he took a break. He took the first Sabbath day ever, and we, humanity, we were there to share in it with him. It was our first day. Our very first day on earth was a Sabbath day, a day spent with the Lord. Can you see the significance in that? Just like a red light, 
The Sabbath isn't a suggestion. The Sabbath is a day made holy by the Lord and a day set apart to be dedicated to the Lord. Scripture tells us that the Sabbath day is a day for holy convocation, a day for us to gather together God's people, and a day for us to gather for us to gather together as God's people. So look around you this morning. Really, look around you. Who's missing? Is there anyone that's usually here? Maybe you haven't even seen them for a few weeks. Who's missing? Or maybe there's someone you've been thinking of or a family you've been thinking of who is actually here today. Go over after church. Tell them, say hello. Tell them how great it is to see them and ask them what's been happening. But those who aren't here, those that you might have noticed, make a note of that. Write it down. Keep it in your mind. And during the week, maybe you could give them a call. Pop in on them even if you're able to. And say, hey, we've been missing you. We haven't seen you at church in a while. What's been happening in your life? Because the Sabbath day, it's a day for holy assembly. And this here, these people here and those who aren't, this is your assembly. This is our assembly. So look out for those in your assembly. Look out for those who might not be here. Ask them. Catch up with them. Check in with them. Because this is your assembly. And today, the Sabbath day, is God's day appointed for holy assembly. So find those people. Tap them on the shoulder. Tell them it would be so great to see you. Thanks again for joining us for this week's message. Before you go, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Neon Kids Program. Neon is a before and after school care and school holiday program for primary and intermediate students. Neon has two centres operating in Rotatuna and in Melville. For more information, visit www.neonkids.co.nz. That's www.neonkids.co.nz. Thanks again.